welcome to the Gathering Place Church weekly podcast. We hope today's message ignites, equips, and challenges you to live out your Christian faith and to bring healing to a broken world. While the Lord is touching some of you this morning, I just want to encourage you as we're looking at these evil, demonic, wicked spirits, where some of you have been oppressed by them, be it Ahab, Jezebel, an unclean and unholy spirit, whatever that, you put the name to the spirit. There's times and seasons and places when we are in battle, when we're in war. And a lot of the times the war might not be out there, but it's in here. Maybe you've since since we've talked of Ahab last week, last week there's tendencies or proclivities that you said, you know what, I need to deal with some of those areas, or I need to work through this relationship in my life. You know, I'm reminded of when um, Elijah ran into the wilderness for his life. And as he ran and as he walked away in that season from what God had called him to, God doesn't come and puts judgment on Elijah. God doesn't come and says, what are you doing? You've failed me. You have left me. Now there's a price to pay because you ran from me. So it's not how your God works. Instead, what God does, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, is he comes to Elijah and he meets with him. And he says, before he asks him a question, what are you doing? He says, guess what? You're going to eat. This has been some of your spiritual diet these last few weeks. You're going to eat, you're going to sleep, and you're going to repeat. And you're going to get up again. You're going to eat, you're going to sleep, and you're going to repeat. You're going to tend to your mental health. You're going to tend to your spiritual health. You're going to just go and be reflective and, and just flush out some things. And in this flushing out process with Elijah, as he was being oppressed by the Spirit, God meets with him and restores him. And he says, you've looked for me in the rushing waters. You've looked for me in the fire from heaven. And I'm in those things, but where I need you to get is to the place of where you see me in the gentle breeze, the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. We had a series on having margin in our lives. And for some of you, you've got to get away with the Lord. You've got to get space back. You've got to build time and build a a secret place and a quiet place again like Elijah needed to stand against these spirits. Because we are at war, not in flesh and blood, but we are warring against our own passions. We are warring against our own appetites, our own cravings. Throughout this life, if you're a Christian who thinks just because I'm in Christ doesn't mean I will never fight anything, you are sadly mistaken. Jesus himself says, you will fight till the day he returns or you go to be with him. The lust of your flesh, the lust of your eyes, and pride, the pride of life. And so today you're going to get some tools of how you fight this controlling, domineering spirit that is unleashed in our world, that is unleashed in the church. And if you are not aware, you will be walloped by it. And so today we're going to pray and then GPC kids, you'll be dismissed. We're so glad you're in here, and it's important as we're going to be doing this on the first Sunday of every month that they get to be a part of what God is doing in here. Give our our staff and our teachers a little bit of break, making sure they're in worship and getting healthy, staying healthy in a good system. 
um, but we love our kids. And the reason we are doing what we're doing is primarily for them, giving them a place, giving them the opportunities to know Jesus and to walk with Jesus. So let's just pray and position our hearts for what the Lord wants to do and then through this service, what he's already doing. Jesus, we pray that we would be a so will I people, that no rock is gonna cry out in our place. Father, we thank you that every mountain be leveled, every valley be lifted, that you are in the business of taking the high places and making them low. You bring our pride down, you bring our ego down, but you're not just in the business of the mountain, you then take the valleys of our life the insecurities, the places of failure where we feel defeat and you build us back up. So Father, we thank you wherever we need to be brought down or built up, that we be centered on you, that it may be uncomfortable, it may be tough, but it is for our betterment, it is for our good, that we be better parents, that we be holy husbands and holy wives, that we prioritize your church, your presence, your people, prayer, the word, all of the disciplines and the practices that you give us to be healthy, effective Christians that plunder hell and populate heaven. So Jesus, we thank you today. We are on mission just as Elijah, you restored him, then you sent him on mission. And let us learn from Elijah how to battle wicked and unholy spirits so that families can be set free, churches can be set free, and even nations set free for the purposes of God. We love you, Lord. We are surrendered and yielded to you today. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Well, GPC kids, you can be dismissed with Miss Burton. Miss Burton, thank you today. We appreciate you. Last week, you should have got a pumpkin if your kids were over there and planted that on a porch. And if you're in church today because of that pumpkin, that's awesome. Had a church invite on it and... Uh, you might have saw in the new countdown we had today too, just kind of reflecting and showing you what happens during the week here uh, through ZCA is we are running 120% around here all the time. Saturday is Sabbath day for everybody. Sunday gets here and then we eat, sleep, and repeat, and we go at it again. You know, I was thinking through uh, different Elijahs in my life. And I know many of you have had mentors, pastors, spiritual leaders, parents um, that have built into your formative walk with God, maybe in your early years or even where you're at today. And um, I was just looking in an old text from, from Pastor Joyce, because she was an Elijah. If she was an Elijah in your life, just raise your hand. She, she was always in the business. If she saw you getting overrun or domineered or controlled by a spirit, how quick was she? Some of you have experienced that. She said, you need to get up here and I'm gonna pray for you and we're gonna get to the root of this thing and you're gonna be set free. And you just didn't know if it was that Sunday where you were getting the luck and she knew God was dealing with you and her. And just as Elijah, uh, he was assertive. He was not controlling, he was not passive, but he was assertive. And I was so thankful that she was assertive in those places. Um, but in just remembering her and thinking of how she uh, was always so good to encourage me, you know, it, it was always very humbling for me as 
is who my pastor was, my Elijah was, all the years of my life in this church, and then having the privilege and honor where she called me her pastor. And uh, your brain really can't comprehend something like that, just so you know. But it was uh, the greatest, it is the greatest privilege of my life to carry on what she and so many have started here. And this was a, a text she sent back in October. Sorry, I had screenshotted it, but let me roll back through. And she was always so good to just send a random burst of encouragement. And I know you're thankful for the people in your life who just out of the blue are thinking of you and you're, you thank God that they call you or that they text you. And they, it usually hits at a time when you need it. But she had just said, just thinking about you today and the miracle of all God's done in your life. So blessed to be your grandmother, proud of you and all that you have already accomplished in just the short time God has called you into this position as a pastor and a teacher. Even though this was his plan for you from your mother's womb, you've grown so fast, you've taken the vision and are running with it, and God is blessing with every step. I'm praying that, I, and I love this, because here she is at 81 years old in October. I'm still praying that I'll be able to do more in the future if God allows me time. The dreams I've had and the things we've talked about, I'm hoping to be able to help you more, but only God can give me what it takes to accomplish that. And I think as just Elijah, she was aware of her humanity. I want to, but it's only God giving me the strength to get it done. I don't want to, I love this, and it's like, stop it. I called her, she's my grandmother, I called her nanny. And uh, I, I would say right here, nanny, stop it, don't say these kind of things. But she, would, she said, I don't want to let you down, we've come such a long way. So she wanted to finish her race well. Keep pressing forward and take no time to look back. You've got a wonderful future, beautiful wife, soon to be three beautiful children. This is before Luke was born. A lot changes in our life very quickly. Um, and believing, and this is what she always said to all of us and everybody here, uh, that your ch children would be pillars in the house of their God, love you, Garrett. So I was just reflecting on Elijah in my life, and I believe as she is on the other side of eternity, that she's looking down, praying for us as a church. She's cheering us on. She's believing everything that, you know, she was a, a person of the presence of God, the Spirit of God. And how beautiful of someone who longed, longed for the Holy Spirit for the better part of 40 years of her life since she was filled with the Spirit is now in complete fullness of his presence and in, and in perfect unity with Christ. And it should be a reminder to us when we, lose somebody we love, lose a, a person in our life that introduced us to God, that taught us the scriptures, um, that what they leave behind just doesn't stop when their body leaves us, but the spirit of who they were still lives on. And just as the spirit of her lived on, the spirit of Elijah still lives on just to bring it all back together here. But on the other side of what you've got to face, and Pastor Joyce was good to teach us as a church, of you will fight unholy spirits there will be spirits just as you see as Jezebel and as Ahab that live on through generation after generation. I want to open with the scriptures we've been looking at it. Revelation chapter 2. And if you're taking notes, write, these, write this down. The, the title of the message today is Discerning the Jezebel Spirit. Last week we talked about discerning an Ahab spirit, which is more of a passive, indifferent type of spirit that just allows anything and everything. I take no responsibility. Um, and the two work together. 
passivity and, and someone who's domineering. They need the other to fulfill what that evil spirit wants to fulfill. Uh, throughout my life, and I know through many of your lives, maybe you've encountered these, or maybe you didn't know that you've encountered them until we've exposed them. Because a lot of the times you don't know what you're dealing with until it's exposed. Have you ever been in a place of where maybe you're growing with God and you're moving forward in God and, and as you gain knowledge of the revelation of scripture, you can then look back with a bird's eye view on moments and points in your life and saying, ah, if I only would have had those tools and resources then, I could have handled it much differently. I wouldn't have been so triggered. I wouldn't have gotten so emotional. I wouldn't have responded at the place of how they treated me. I would have walked in forgiveness better. I would have walked in 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 a spirit of Elijah that was assertive and maybe not a jerk. So there's all different places and we can look and we can grow and we thank God for hindsight and we thank God because we're either going, we're either going into a storm in the middle of a storm or coming out of a storm, A.W. Tozer said. And so at some place and at some point, the door is gonna revolve and you're gonna be in a circumstance and you may face these spirits, you may face these points of temptation and you'll have the chance to then apply the knowledge you wish you had, now you have, so handle it differently and come out as a victor and not a victim to this spirit. So we're ready today to expose a wicked and evil spirit. We've taught through it in this church, but in the day and age we live in, these are the spirits we've established as well that three types of, of really ways you deal with this spirit is either you are possessed by it, you are oppressed by it, or you deal with proclivities and tendencies. And I would say the majority of where we would find most people, especially sitting here today or watching online, is you're dealing with proclivities or tendencies. Maybe within yourself, maybe within a family member. Now, someone who is not following Christ, is not filled with the Spirit, has a very higher chance to be possessed by the Spirit which means it could be through diagnosis. Maybe they take certain medicine to back them off of multiple personality disorders. Uh, it can get very intense and very real. Uh, so it has different levels, it has different doses, it has different ways it manifests itself. Um, and then on the flip side, if you're the one who is being an Elijah against Ahab or an Elijah against Jezebel, you're most likely being oppressed to where Elijah wanted to run for his life. There's even a point I haven't brought out in this whole story between, in 2 Kings, you can find all of this, between 1 Kings 16 to 2 Kings chapter 3 is where you get all of this and where I'll be pulling from today. Um, you can also, men, if you're a part of the men's Bible study, we're going through the book, New Days, Old Demons, where uh, we will discuss this sermon content uh, in our Bible study along the Jezebel spirit. Um, but what you'll see is, is Jezebel was coming for the throat of Elijah and the prophets. It says in the scripture that Elijah hid away a hundred of the prophets as Jezebel was on the hunt. And it says specifically that Elijah put 50 in one cave and 50 in the other. And so this is, if you want to put it in this language, a top tier general uh, Elijah, where when people... When Jesus even asked, who do you think I am to his disciples? Some said, we think you're Elijah. So Elijah and Jesus would look very, would look very similar. And Elijah is actually coming back at Jesus' return too. And that's another, um, another subject for another time. So even Elijah, who knew what he knew, 
had the faith that he had, the authority that he had, still hid from her and still hid others from her. So one of the first signs you see that you are under attack of the spirit is you just want to go and hide. You want to hide from that person. You want to hide from that spouse. You want to hide from that relationship and you don't want to trigger. So if you feel you've got to hide and run, most likely, not all the times, but sometimes, this is a sign the spirit is at work in your life. Revelation 2, verse 20, a thousand years after Elijah, uh, we see his story. Jesus is still dealing with the spirit and confronting the spirit. Seven churches through the book of Revelation are mentioned. This is the church of Thyatira. And in this church, um, Jesus, through the pen of John, is still confronting the Jezebel spirit. So what you need to know if you're new to the things of the spirit is spirits live on past people's deaths, evil spirits. And if evil spirits live on, what unifies us together is being filled with one spirit, the Holy Spirit. So you filled with the Holy Spirit, then take and go into situations and say, I'm discerning that if I can put a name to this spirit or this, uh, even this personality, even these tendencies or proclivities, this is what I'm working through and dealing with. And the way you defeat your enemy isn't just by going in like a bull in a china shop, but it's backing away, strategizing, knowing what fuels it, knowing what triggers it, knowing how it operates, knowing what it does behind closed doors as it does through open doors. This is a way you really gain spiritual momentum and traction to gain victory over evil spirits in your life and in the life of others. So he says this, Jezebel, three things of what you'll see through this passage of scripture. She is domineering, she is seducive, and she is controlling, seductive. Seductive, domineering, and controlling would be the MO of Jezebel. So she says this, or the scripture says this, nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow, in other translations, it says you tolerate. Tolerance is always the virtue of what Jezebel wants. If she can just be tolerated, she can gain control. Know this too before we go forward. A Jezebel can be just as much in a man as it can in a woman. It is not gender specific, okay? So as we talk in the, in the biological gender of a woman today, it can be just as much in a man. So don't, just as Ahab can be in a woman, just as much as it is uh, in a man as well. So it says you tolerate, you allow these things. And you tolerate that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess. She loves to teach. She loves to be prophetic. She loves to come and, and gain access into your lives. Can I just encourage you for a minute? Can I talk to you? It comes through a positive lens bait and hook. The bait is positive, but the hook is lethal. Okay? Calls herself a prophetess. She teaches, she seduces. So her teaching, the way that she gains access into your life is through seduction, through pleasure. And so as she does this, she teaches, she seduces her servants to commit sexual immorality, to eat things sacrificed to idols. She wants to control your appetites. 21, and she gave, God speaking, this is how good God is, gave her time to repent. Again, aren't you thankful you have a patient God who isn't quick to pronounce judgment over you? We've seen this in church. His mercy triumphs over judgment. God is always merciful and gives us time to repent. 
And this is the importance of the Christian who prioritizes the word of God, the, the people of God, and the spirit of God, is you will come to find quickly God is very patient with you when you are in touch with your humanity, with your own sin. This is why you should be quick to be humble and repent when you've wronged. One thing you will never hear in a Jezebel spirit, you will never hear this plain and simple, cut and dry. I was wrong, you were right, I'm sorry. Never will happen. So as a Christian, we understand that when we're filled with the spirit of God, we are not a controlling, domineering person, right? But we are a yielded and surrendered people. So the very opposite of what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be yielded and surrendered, a Jezebel spirit is on the other end of the spectrum, which is someone who is controlling and is domineering. So she does these things, and how you give access into it is always through tolerance. And we have a culture, we have a world today whose highest virtue is tolerance. You want to see the mess we have today, why no one can unify, why no one takes uh, any ground, but everyone just wants to, can we just tolerate and get to the middle? And this is where every unclean, every bit of confusion comes into play because it's all about can we just tolerate one another instead of can we have the truth, have the facts be the place that we unify on, not just I tolerate you and you tolerate me. You have your truth, I have my truth, and we can just get around the campfire, sing kumbaya until Jesus comes back. Okay, that's not the way we're called to live. So as you're taking notes, I wanna talk about quickly several things that Jezebels hate, okay? So if you wanna trigger, if you wanna get under the skin of the spirit to where you begin to see it manifest, where you begin to see it um, show up in your life, in your circle, in your friends group. It's through these several things. And if you're taking notes, you can write these down. We'll move quickly, but you can go back and you can pray through them. Number one, Jezebel's hate authority. Jezebel's hate authority. Through Ahab, she sought control. Through Naboth, again, Naboth's vineyard, she sought to murder, in other words, crucify him. And with Elijah, she sought to cancel him. The plague that comes against any healthy, right, biblical authority in the church or in your home, it will always seek to cancel, to crucify, and to control in your life. So if you're always dealing with these three things, cancel, control, and crucify, you're most likely dealing with a spirit that is wanting to undermine and diminish your authority. Jezebel does not submit. Jezebel says this, I'm either the boss or there will be no boss because I will burn down whatever family, whatever church, whatever institution that I cannot gain control of. Okay? Number two is this, Jezebel does not like to ever hear the word no. Simply say no and you thought you were good and then when no is said, it's like everything changes. You don't agree with that proposal. You don't take that on that opinion. You, you change something maybe at the last minute and there's no flexibility. No is spoken and the entire relationship turns on its head because now there is a barrier between of being on the same page. So everything changes in this. And usually when no is said, the initial response is emotion, crying, whining, to try to just get control of the situation 
and reinsert the opinion, reinsert the truth, reinsert the lens of where the spirit sees and where it wants to go. Number three is this, it does not want to lose. When Jezebel lost at Mount Carmel, when Elijah slaughtered the 850 false prophets of Baal, what we see take place when Elijah comes down from the mountain is that it, Jezebel had lost when she had caught word of what happened at the showdown. And that's when Jezebel makes an inner vow and says, I will not lose to this man. So then she re-strategizes and whatever she sends in the spirit toward Elijah sends him running for his life. Jezebel will not lose. And if you think you've won the battle, she will come back stronger. She will come back ready to fight you and to take you down. Jezebel does not lose. Think about Naboth. Again, Naboth, and I'll refer to this story. Naboth had a piece of land that Ahab and Jezebel wanted. Naboth would not give the land because he discerned correctly and was a picture of righteousness when an unclean spirit wanting a piece of this land. Naboth says no. Jezebel then, Ahab is then seen weeping and crying and passive and wanting his way. The scripture literally says this, that he sits in his bed, face the wall, and begins to emote, begins to cry, begins to weep. Jezebel then comes back and sees a moment where she can take control, begins to stroke the ego and the personality of Ahab and says, there, there, Ahab, I'll take care of it for you. It's okay. You're a strong man. I'm going to remind you who you are today. I'm going to coddle you. I'm going to flatter you. And then as she's coddling and flattering, she's slowly taking control. She then puts a plan together. She forges government documents. She then goes behind his back, never ask his opinion of the plan that she puts in, in place because she knows at the end of the day, this Ahab man has no plan and has no opinion. So she takes control. She then goes behind his back and says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to call Naboth out into the public square. We're going to accuse him of blaspheming God. And because he blasphemed God, he'll then be stoned and killed. And at his death, we will then take possession of his land. That very thing is done. Jezebel doesn't lose. She gets the land, gives it to Ahab. And in their insanity, take what did not belong to them. She does not lose. Number four is this. She does not take a rebuke. Does not take a rebuke. There's never any repentance. There's never no admittance of, again, you were right. I was wrong. There's no repenting. There's no relenting. There's no recognizing of wrongdoing. If you're the messenger, get ready to take a bullet because you will get one. She will shoot the messenger. She will change the subject quickly. She'll, think, she'll say things like when confronted, I don't see Jesus in you right now. You're being mean-spirited. You're taunting me. You're, you're not caring for my emotions right now. And just try to get you to back off because you're being mean-spirited. Don't take a rebuke. Number five is this. They don't operate in grace. It's always law for you and grace for me. I hold you to the standard of the law, but then when I mess up, when I make a mistake, I expect grace given to me. You know these people? They hold you to this high standard, but the minute they make a mistake, they expect all the grace to be poured on them, right? They, they expect the shovel of grace to be dumped on them, but then they pull a spoon out when it needs to be dumped on somebody else. These are wicked encounters that we have, and if we're not careful, we can get caught up in that to where we hold ourselves up and our shoulders back and put our nose down at everyone 
But then when we mess up, we expect grace to be given to us. Number six is this, Jezebel's hate masculinity. They hate men. Every man that sought to stand in the way of Jezebel became a target. Elijah's especially, again, she went to kill God's prophets. And Elijah knew this, so she began, he began hiding these godly men. So Jezebel's come after masculinity. What they seek to do is um, emasculate men. It's what you see in our culture today. Men are emasculated, men are girly, men are not tough, men are weak. If you show signs of tough masculinity, you're seen as toxic and, and you're sent to the corner. You'll even see the men, of what, when we look at Jezebel's death at the end of this story, the men that Jezebel had around her were eunuchs. And eunuchs would be castrated men. So Jezebel, the only men that would serve her would be castrated men. And so what you see in, in our culture and our world today is this spirit wants to castrate men and wants to get the men to back off, to back down, to stop leading, to stop taking authority, and let me take full reign in the situation. What you see in culture in the world today is the spirit coming after the Elijahs. Think of it this way. Jezebel had all the problem with Elijah. And as you look at this story, Elijah would be the safest, most godly, most understanding, heard from God, miracles seen by him. Yet to Jezebel is the most destructive and obstructive and oppressing type of man that's out there. Who's wrong in the situation? Think of it that way. Lastly, Jezebel's hate truthfulness. They're consistently dishonest. They'll lie to the very end to get the victory and to get the W. And they'll always try to get their agendas, their truth, to the place of a platform to where they can get ahead and control the narrative. Two categories that Jezebels want to control. Everything and everyone. Everything and everyone. That's what the Spirit goes after. So now as we kind of shift into, we look at seven things Jezebels hate. Now we're going to look at what they want to control. So as we're moving into this, one of two things should be happening. Something in you should be saying, you know what? Oh, until I'm fully yielded over to the Holy Spirit in this situation, I'm either a Jezebel in this situation or I'm either an Ahab. I want to take control. I want to domineer. I want my side to be heard. Or over here, I want, I'm just going to be passive. I'm not going to trigger. I know if I engage with this spirit, it gets enraged. Uh, if, I, if I activate here, then it will want to dominate me. So in some place, we want to get to the middle and you know, say, we're going to be assertive. We're going to be filled with the spirit. And we're going to be okay of what is the temporary loss in confronting this spirit. So either confronting it in you some of you with holidays around the corner, you're already decorating for Christmas, and the first thing that comes to your mind of the holiday season is, I'm going to have to see such and such, and this such and such operates in these type of things. And so know that this can be as personal as what you're going to deal with on Christmas, what you're going to deal with at Thanksgiving, what you're going to deal with in-laws that become outlaws, and all of these type of things, Okay? And what you're going to see here is if you can strategize, you can be an Elijah and you cannot allow, you can come to the place where this spirit does not have control from you in your life. 
So several things Jezebel's control. Number one is this, if you're taking notes, it's relationships. They want to control the relationships in your life. Your, your people, your friend groups, your families, your work groups, church groups, it's always on their terms. What they'll do is they'll start a triangle of politics. They'll try to pit one party against the other party. They'll try to cause drama and inflict nonsense to get your whole family or your whole church or your whole group worked up into a place that is unhealthy and that is toxic. Number two is this. They want to control money. If they can get to the money, then they can control what goes or what doesn't go. If a Jezebel controls the money in a business or in a church, then they have the ultimate say of what's going to happen, where the trajectory of the church is going to go, where the trajectory of your business is going to go. And so you got to know one of the things they come for is how can I get my hands on the money? Am I being too real for anybody today? Okay. Number three is this. They come after governance. They're coming after the leadership. They're coming after the title. Uh, Jezebel was the queen of Israel. The church of Thyatira, like we read, declared her a prophetess. Jezebel loves titles. She's got to have a title. She's got to have a position. She's got to be in a place of power. If she does not have the title, if she doesn't have the position, again, if I'm not the boss, no one's going to be my boss, so I'm quickly going to undermine and tear down. How they get access is they come straight for the leadership. They come in through a positive lens. How can I help? How can I serve? What can I do? Where can I be? Where can you use me? What you'll see, too, is that they come in through the place. I can remember one time, many, many years ago, um, there was someone who came in, one service, and that was it. And um, I had come down, and quickly, before I could even take a drink of water, I'm like, how can I pray for you? You look like you need something. And um, instead of me praying for her, she didn't even ask, put her hands on me, started praying for me. And I'm like, okay, here we go. Somebody around us, sure. Um, and so I'm like, okay, in my, in my naiveness at the time, let's pray. And things that were begin, begin to be said, I'm like, oh, break the power of that. Nope, that's not okay. And so naturally and lovingly, as Pastor Garrett does, God bless you, have a good day. And as I was praying for some other people, in the back of, of the church, had a card and just couldn't wait to give it to me, gave the card to me, looked at the card, said, oh, we'll see a little bit about who this person is. And in the prayer request section listed were eight different gifts she has and how she's ready to serve and help take the church forward. So when a lot of what you see can be good things, but can also be very abrasive things in your face, ready to come in, ready to do, looks good, looks like everything you dreamed that it could be, and ready to help serve what God's doing in your life. So you got to see this in your business on a resume and in an interview that these are where these spirits operate is if they can get to the leader, then they can bypass all the checklists and then they can just get to the place and say, if I can control the leader, then I can control outcomes. If I can control the husband, then I can control the family. If I can control the teacher, I can control the classroom. You put the control to the title, then what's underneath that title then comes underneath a Jezebel's influence. You tracking with me? Yes. Okay. So we have governance, 
Number four uh, is this, is they don't like preaching. So we see that they killed God's prophets, okay? So Jezebel went after God's prophets. Jezebel's prophets were on payroll, okay? So they were paid. They had initiative to want to do what Jezebel said. And if you see in the world today, would we all agree that there's a lot of people in mainstream media and places of platform and influence that get paid a lot of money to tell a certain narrative? I think we'd all say yes. So usually the truth never doesn't have a lot of resources, money, and backing. It's usually false narratives to try to get control, get ahead of what the truth is. Just like, and again, I'm not saying I'm for or against certain things here, but if you watch a certain nightly news or what have you, then what's going to happen is you're going to get that agenda, you're going to get that narrative, and that's where you have to discern is what am I being fed here? What am I being led to by what they want me to see and where they want me to put my intellectual property to? So they don't like preaching and they want to soften See, this is what's tough. They don't want to take the preaching out. They want to control the pre- preaching. So what, what does that mean? They want to make it soft. They want to make it palatable. They want to make it where it doesn't offend anybody. They want to make it in a place that can, it, it can just be okay. We can all exist together. This group can come alongside this group, but sin isn't preached. Repentance isn't preached. It's just God's good. He's always good. Everything's good. You're good. I'm good. We're all good. And there's this false narrative that goes out that everything's just good, and when we come to church, it's a self-help message, it's a positive scenario, and we're gonna get you to praise Jesus till you feel better, yet never give you any kind of meat and any kind of substance to challenge you, maybe even offend you a little bit, get you to wrestle with some things so that you can really see and experience change. And I'm speaking from a place of, these are the things, these are the type of things that change my life, that have matured me, is I don't want the cookie cutter stuff. Give me the real stuff. And if you offend me, you offend me, but I'm gonna wrestle with it. And if it can produce change and growth and maturity, sign me up, tell me where to sign, I'm in. And this is the kind of church we're gonna be. You see, what we're moving into, I'm 100% believing, is that we're gonna be able to do everything debt-free. There's not gonna be one loan, there's not gonna be one lien of what we build. Because when there's a loan and when there's a lien, Somebody has control. And I'm, I'm standing in the gap and believing that there's not going to be anyone who has control, no government agency, no bank, no lender, that we're going to do it in cash God's way and see God do a miracle in what he's building. Because the days are growing dark and the days are growing evil, that if you are controlled and at the, at the expense of when you speak the truth, you offend an elder board, you offend Brother Big Bucks, you offend this person or that person, then they're gonna come alongside of you and say, I don't really like how you're preaching. So then a war starts between you and that institution, you and that person, you and that lender. You've seen all through the years, and again, I'm just telling you how I feel today. Is that okay? Um, What you're gonna see is, is, is days go on, tax exempt status will be pulled from churches. It's inevitable, absolutely inevitable. And when tax exempt status gets pulled from churches, Churches have to pay property tax. Churches have to do all these things. It's going to create such an expense gap to where those that have liens and are holders on these things then gain instant control over the church. And so what we're building, we're thinking future fit 
that that's not going to be an option in this ministry and not going to be an option in this church. And I pray that you appreciate a pastor who will say these things because most churches will never publicly say these things. But this is where we're going and this is where we're heading. And what I'm saying and telling you is we are not playing games here. And with these spirits, you cannot tolerate them and you cannot play games with them because they will toy you and come after you until you submit and you take the knee and you shut up and you put up for it. I think I need a drink of water after that. We're okay though. Uh, As we're moving on, aren't you thankful you got an extra hour of sleep? You probably needed one for this message. Number six is information. Oh, do they love to harvest data? They want to get to know, and they'll come with questions. We'll say things like, how have you been? How's your marriage? How much money do they make again? Where do they live? What do they drive? You know, they open with a question, and it's not to help and bring hope and bring healing. It's to gather information, and over a several months over certain seasons, they then have information, and when the time makes sense, then that information can be weaponized. Maybe you've experienced this, and I've, I've wa- walked through people with this. They've opened up about very personal things in a group setting, could even be a small group where they felt safe, they, they opened up, and then there was a Jezebel or an Ahab spirit operating in that group. That information then gets taken when that person can benefit them or they don't like them and then is used against them. And they're like, oh my gosh, I was in a church setting. I thought this person actually cared. And then now it's weaponized against me of something from my past. These are the reality of of how this and where this spirit operates. So they're always after information. They're always collecting information. This is what the spirit does. Number seven is they want access to the leadership in your life. Again, she's a queen. She controls Ahab. She wants to get as close to the top as possible. Number eight is conversation. Jezebel is going to do most of the talking. You're lucky to get the last word in. And if you do get the last word in, they're still going to find a way to get the last word in. So the conversation is controlled. The narrative is controlled. And it's... uh, Most words that are being said are her words. They'll dominate and they will drive the conversation. And if you disagree with them, you'll have hell to pay. It's not healthy conversation. It's conversation about what they want, how they want it, and are going to get as many people to get an alignment of thinking as they do. Number nine is this. They they want to control platforms. They want to control Prophets, they want to control, like you saw there, they killed the prophets, want to control the prophets. Um, She tried to steal Elijah's platform and wanted to put a public spectacle and a public showdown on Mount Carmel so that everyone would see, I have the better platform. My platform is what brings success. What I do brings understanding. What I do is what everybody wants. But again, Elijah stood and that wicked spirit caused all of the people who jumped and danced and, and sang. There's the one scripture where it says they began cutting themselves, stabbing themselves, because evil spirits will always make you do evil things. 
And it won't always be to point the knife on somebody else, but to point the knife on yourself. Because at the end of the day, you're the one who gets had. So they want to get the platforms. They want to get the narrative, number 10. Again, Jezebel said that Naboth cursed God, got ahead of it. Naboth couldn't even defend himself, and before you know it, was being stoned and killed, and his inheritance was being taken from him. And I know it's, it's this. The narrative isn't positive. It's always negative. It's, it's always uh, concerning. Now, I'm really concerned about them. It seems like they're really struggling with this or they're really working through this. And then it gets you thinking about that person in a certain light and a certain way. It never just comes out and openly says it, but it's always in a way that is twisted, that is deceitful, and that is negative. Secondly, it's this. Jezebel wants to control the mob wants to get the numbers. It's always large numbers you hear, the 850 prophets of Baal. It's always the numbers and the crowds of where if the crowd believes it, then we'll bully people into believing this narrative as well. And again, I always go back to Noah was right in the scriptures and everybody else was wrong. Noah and his small family were the ones that were saved, that built the ark, were ridiculed, were persecuted. Noah was right. Everybody else was wrong. Truth always, if you really want the truth, it's going to look and it's going to be discomfort. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to make you wrestle with it. And it's going to look like, is that just, at times, is that a conspiracy theory? Is it this, that, and the other? That's why, as a Christian, you can't go by your feelings. You actually have to go study something. You have to put the work in. You've got to put the time in. And when we have churches filled with consumer Christians of just give me what I want, make me feel better give me a self-help message, then you're never going to come to the knowledge of the truth. You're just going to be, and again, as Jezebel called herself, I am a prophetess, she had to be the one who had the voice and everyone was addicted to her encouragement, to her words, and I don't know how I can make it without the prophetess giving me the word. There's false prophets, there's false teachings. And again, I'm not mad at or coming at any one person. I'm coming at the spirit that wants to get into churches, get into institutions, get into places, and cause deception. Time. They want to control time. They're going to be late. They're going to reschedule. It's always going to be on their calendar. It's going to be um, in an environment, in an atmosphere that's suitable to them. They're going to control the time, the meeting place. All of these things go together. Decisions. Decisions. They want to be the ones to make every and any decision. The way you know the Spirit comes into your life is that you don't even invite it. It just barges right in and starts saying, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're doing. It's like, whoa, did anybody ask your opinion? Right? And so they just barge right in, start making their demands, putting what they want in front, and again, trying to take control of the narrative. Environments, they want to control environments. We're picking this, we're doing that. Here's the plan, you stick to it. They're always ahead and thinking ahead so that you don't even have time to think. It's just, okay, that makes sense, let's do it. Number 16, they're after leaders. Again, it's the shortcut to power and control. If you're a leader in your business, a leader in your management position, a leader uh, in whatever God's gifted you with and what you're doing, 
That's where that spirit is always headed and coming for. Number 17, they're after family. This is important, and I want to close with this. Is they're after family. What's wild about this whole Jezebel story is in 2 Kings 11, Jezebel has a daughter. And this daughter is more controlling than she is. This is a generational curse passed down. So this daughter of Jezebel is more controlling. And she has a son, and she controls the son. Well, the son dies. And, she, and after the son dies, she then goes and kills all relatives so that she can remain in power. That the way the structure was that a living male would take the throne or take the place of power. So when the son dies in battle, she then kills all living relatives so that she can rule and reign. And in the first time up to that point, it's the first time a female rules and reigns for six years over Israel because of this. You get into the story that's pretty neat. There was a grandmother on the other side of the family who actually hid a young boy by the name of Joash and made a hiding place so that after those six years, when he was seven years old and could come, that grandmother trained him, that grandmother taught him, and then Joash brings him out on the scene. That woman is killed, and then Joash takes the throne at seven years old. So what you need to know, even in a generation, and this is the, this is the heartbeat behind ZCA, is that it's not a place to hide your children in one sense. We're just going to hide them away. And as they're hid away, they know nothing. They can't have apologetics. They don't know how to go into the world, defend the faith, or start businesses, take positions, and do all these things. That's why we say they're world changers. But there always has to be a season and a place where you hide your children. Because Jezebel is always after the next generation. And she wants to get your lineage. She wants to get your legacy. She wants to get your family. She wants to be the one in control even after she's dead. So what you've got to understand is be like the grandmother who hid Joash, that you, again, she used strategy. She couldn't maybe take over the spirit, but she prayed and said, Holy Spirit, give me the strategy I need. So she's always after family. As we're closing, she's also after gifts. Gains control. I'm gonna give this gift. And when you accept it, it looks like there's no strings attached. But you better believe there's strings, heavy, thick, braided strings that are attached to that gift. Oh, I'll give you the down payment to the house, but here's where you're gonna live. Oh, you wanna go to school? Yeah, I'll fund your tuition, but you're going to this university, you're gonna live in this dorm, and here's who your professors are gonna be. There's always control attached to the gifts. And then when Jezebel is ready to collect, she'll say, hey, remember that gift I gave you? Well, I'm calling due on it. So this is where, again, we've got to be Elijah's. And this is what we're going to get into, into next week of how do we be Elijah's and stand against these Jezebel, these wicked, these Ahab spirits. That we don't want to fall prey to them and be ignorant of their devices and fall to the deception always after the image, number 19. This is amazing. Thank God for Jehu, who was anointed by Elijah back when he returned from his healing and his getting back on mission and being restored. Is Jehu comes and she, he's ready to kill wicked Jezebel. 
Understand this too about Jezebel. She barks the orders from the castle but never takes the front line. Jezebel through this whole picture is always seen tucked away safely, insulated around her eunuchs. She has everything she has need of. Ahab's in the corner barking commands at him and she never leaves the castle or the palace. She stays where she's safe, where she's in control. And if you, want to come, if you want to get to her, you have to go on her turf. She doesn't come on yours. So Jehu, in the spirit of Elijah, comes marching toward Jezebel. You can see this in 2 Kings verse 9. But when she hears word that Jehu's coming to kill her, this is again where you see the seductiveness of this spirit. I think you have it in the back. 2 Kings 9.30, it says that she put paint on her eyes she, and she adorned her head. So what she does, I'm gonna sexualize myself here. I'm gonna try to get and, and, and seduce him where maybe if he thinks there's an opportunity to even sleep with me, then he won't kill me. Again, this is how she worked. If she wanted to get her way and someone came to oppose him, her first response was, how can I seduce with pleasure to regain control? And as we look at the world, as we even look at young single people trying to stay pure, holy, do it God's way, the conversation, the tide is so changed where you even see with men and with women that men don't even have to try to pursue women anymore. But you see this whole new generation of women extremely aggressive. They're doing all the pursuing. And when you see the spirit at work, it's so flip-flopped to how God designed it to be. And again, I'm just speaking and painting a broad stroke. But this is what we've got to be careful of. And what I want to speak to as well is a way a Jezebel usually becomes a Jezebel is through a traumatic event, is through pain, is through hurt, where maybe they were abused at one point in their life and they made an inner vow and said, never again will I be out of control. So I now will go into every situation, into every marriage, into every relationship, into every workplace, and I will be in control because I will never experience that again. And let me go deep here for a minute. In that, you empathize. In that, you even tolerate, if you're married to this person, um, if you work with this person, if it's a mother, a mother-in-law, you name it, if there's a close relationship, what you do is you empathize around that. But if you're not careful, that empathy can turn into tolerating it. So now because you know the pain in the story, you're tolerating it. And here at the end of the day, tolerance never heals that person. It just allows them to continue on in dysfunction. And this is where Elijah does. When, when the, the false uh, prophets were destroyed on Mount Carmel, and all the people saw that. They, sta- they stood with their jaw open and stood amazed at what just happened. Elijah doesn't pick the, the stones up and begins slaughtering all the people. He goes after their leaders, but he pulls the people close and say, I'm going to restore you now and remind you who your God is. So as Elijah's, we've got to remind the people and the dysfunction in our life and say, we're going to stand in the gap and we're going to hold the line because we love you. We don't want to hurt you. I know your feelings may be hurt right now, but I care more about your soul than about how your feelings feel. 
And this is the place that I am, am moving into and, and want to be strong in as your pastor is I may hurt your feelings, but I care about your soul. I care about your eternity because life is short and eternity is very real. And heaven doesn't start the day you leave your, your body. It starts the day you say yes to Jesus and then choose to live for Jesus every day of your life. So don't be seduced by the image. She wants to take your energy. She wants to take your energy. It took Elijah 40 days to recover after being, feeling distraught from Jezebel. 40 days. You know, what you need to know about demons, this is why you've got to have a spiritual warfare prayer life, is demons don't get sickness. They don't get cold and flu. They don't take a day off. They don't rest. They're constantly pounding and protruding and knocking at your door. And it's usually when you've overburned yourself, you've burned yourself out, you're burnt out. And this is why, again, in our series on sacred rhythms, you've got to have an inner life. You've got to have a prayer life. You've got to have margin in your life. You've got to have rest and Sabbath. You're not meant to always push your limits, but to set limits to protect yourself and protect those around that you love. Just very simple, practical things so that you don't open your life up to every demon just because you are so burnt out, you are so unrested, and you, you're just go, 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 and never sitting at the feet of Jesus and saying, Jesus, teach me. I don't have anything to bring. I just bring myself. And I'm telling you, the church that will sit at the feet of Jesus and get close to the anointed one will be the one that anointing flows out of your life, will be the one that real authority flows out of your life, real power flows out of your life. And it's not to say, look at me, it's to say, I am a humble servant like Elijah, that I want the people that come into my life, my children, my wife, my church, my friends, my family, to be blessed by me, not tormented by me. Last but not least, when Jezebel comes, she will always demand you trade your freedom for sexual pleasure, pleasure in general. Let me talk to the men for a moment. Men, again, it's the bait and hook, will we'll always come through the angle, we'll put the bait on the hook, we'll make it look like more power, even more freedom, more pleasure, and it, it, it will always, Jezebel will always come and say, this is everything you've ever wanted. This is everything you've ever needed. Even if God forbids it, it will still look extremely desirable And knowing that if you can just take the bait, there is a sharp hook underneath, gotcha. And again, this is why you've got to be discerning and not walking into perpetual and consistent deception. This is where when you have tendencies or proclivities that you've got to set the boundaries long before you go into the fight or you'll get swallowed up. And there's been so many churches in the last three years, so many pastors, you've seen the headlines, you've heard the news, businesses, what takes them down? Power, sex, and money. Don't be the statistic. Don't be the person that is so burnt out, so dried out, 
that it's one of the enemy's oldest trick books to get you to lay down and to take what the Spirit wants to put in your life. If you'd stand, I want to pray for you as we close today. It's not a good message unless you say I'm closing four times, so we did it. From experience, I know when you talk of these things, there's some of you in here today that are flustered, frustrated. The spirit could very well be in your marriage, could be in your family. You've tried to fight it. You've tried to work through it. You've counseled it. You've You've brought it to therapy. You've done everything and anything you know to do you don't know how to get to the place of victory. And for some of you who've been oppressed by it, you're so tired. You're worn out. You have no energy left. And you don't know what to do, where to go, how to get to the place of victory. I'm here to tell you today, this is why Jesus had to undo Adam and Eve's sin. To take what Adam and Eve did Adam was passive, stood by. Eve took control, took the fruit. Adam watched, let it all happen. And the sins of our first parent then manifest themselves through an Ahab and Jezebel spirit. And then then manifest themselves whenever you see and wherever you see these spirits take place in your life. I'm here to tell you today, you can be an Elijah. You don't have to cater to Jezebel and tolerate Jezebel. You don't have to cater to an Ahab spirit of because you're insecure, you always have to have yes people around you, people on your team that do what you want them to do. But if, if this church is ever going to accomplish what it's been designed to accomplish from its inception, if your family, if your marriage is ever going to accomplish and go beyond and break the gray in your life, break the mold, you've got to be willing to get in the arena and stop tolerating. You've got to be willing to engage and deal with the enrage. You've got to be willing to say, Holy Spirit, I'm willing to activate and become an Elijah today because if I don't activate, these two spirits will dominate. And it's time that you put the line in the sand and say, these spirits will not have a foothold in my life because the enemy is always after just a foothold, just one open door, just one place where it can bring division and deceit into your life and into your marriage. As you go before the Lord, as we prepare our hearts to take communion today, and we just ask the Lord for deliverance. You know, in the Greek where we see the sexual perversion side in Revelation chapter 2, the Greek will actually refer to it where we get pornography. The Greek is porneia. The Spirit will always get a gateway through pornography. And if you want to see where this spirit makes billions of dollars, an industry that has its chokehold on a generation, it's through that very thing. And as you begin to confront the spirit, maybe even in some of your children and the people in your life, people that struggle in this place, it is not off limits to any of these things. Any kind of sexual perversion, this spirit is running amok and it runs rampant. So what I'm telling you today is, as we take communion, let's stop trading our freedom in Christ for more bondage. 
Stop giving your freedom for more control. Stop giving your freedom for a dopamine hit. Stop giving your freedom just because I had a tough day or whatever the excuse is or however you justify or you take the bait of pleasure and you sell off a part of your life because you don't have the resources or tools. And hear my pastor's heart today. I love you. I care about you. And as we take of the body and blood of Jesus, I want you to think, when, Je- when Jehu approached, he was not seduced. And what he does is he yells up to the tower that she's sitting in. And he asks who's up there. You can go and you can read it. And several of the eunuchs say, oh yeah, we're up here and we're not for her. So you know what he says? Throw her down. So the eunuchs, those, her own posse, her own team, actually take Jezebel and throw her out of her palace and she cracks her skull on the ground below her. And it says some of the blood that splattered from her fall, if I can be graphic because the scripture is, it says it began to splatter on some of the cattle and some of the horses that were around. And that foretold, Elijah said, here's what's going to happen if you don't repent from the very beginning. Here's going to be Ahab's death, and here's going to be Jezebel's death. That didn't shake them. That didn't cause them to repent. They still barreled headstrong in to what they wanted. And they both had a violent, vicious death. And the blood of Jezebel, here's what's crazy. Even Jehu knew the ritual and the rite that, oh, they're a a king and and a princess of Israel. They deserve a proper burial. Well, when um, the men went down to retrieve her body, the scripture says all that was left because the dogs had eaten her body. All that was left was a skull and some bones. I'm telling you, this spirit will destroy you. Do not tolerate it. Elijah comes onto the scene then, and we need Elijah to come onto the scene now and say, stop messing with unholiness, Stop messing with perversion. Stop taking the bait of pleasure. God will not be mocked. He loves you and he will be patient with you just as he was with Jezebel to repent. But if you can go before the Lord now and say, I repent of my sin. Repentance is not a one-time thing. It is every day of your life. You bring your sin before and you say, I need to be healed. Heal my emotions. Heal my mind. Heal my marriage. Holy Spirit, we ask right now as we hold your body and your blood that I can tell you has a greater word and has a greater bond and has a greater power and a greater gospel than any message of Jezebel and Ahab. And as we take your body and your blood, it always speaks a better word. So today as we focus in at the seat sum and summit, which is the body of, and blood of Christ. He says to do this in remembrance of me because if we don't remember him, we go toward the lowest version of ourself, which is we're going to be controlling or we're going to be passive. So we break the body. We lift the body. And we say it, it stands higher than any evil, unclean spirit. And we thank you for this body. We thank you for its, its power. We thank you that it conquered hell, death, and the grave for us that you so loved the world that you gave us Jesus. And in the person of Jesus, we find every clean, pure, holy, redemptive work that we need for our lives. 
we turn to Jesus. And if you're here today and you are backslidden, you are broken, and you are hurt, you are in a good place. And I want you to make that commitment and make that vow with Jesus. If you're feeling, I need deliverance, I need healing, I need the tools to be set free. If you would just take this moment and get real with God and say, I want to follow Jesus, I want to be with Jesus, I want to walk with Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Change me, Holy Spirit. Fill me with the power of Jesus, which is in his spirit, the Holy Spirit. Telling you, you don't have to walk out of here enslaved and damaged and broken, but your redemptive story can begin. Would you just whisper that to Jesus today? Say, Jesus, make me clean. Make me new. I receive your body and your blood today. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We pray it encouraged, uplifted, and challenged you to become more like Christ. We would love to hear from you. You can email your prayer request to prayer at gpcky.com. Loving our podcast? Take a moment and like and subscribe on our YouTube channel to stay up to date with all of our new content. Thanks for listening.